Now, broadcasting on Radio Star Worldwide, it's time for Dr. Rademacher's Prescription for Transformation. Let's tap into your own authentic genius and live the life you desire. Join Dr. Rademacher for an enlightened conversation about our brain intelligence, our body intelligence, and our energy intelligence. And now, here's your host, Dr. Bart Rademacher. Welcome to Stuck Bart Rademacher, your show host for today and every time that we have this show. And this is Prescription for Your Transformation, hashtag real people, hashtag real conversations. And this is the place to get information, all types of information for your own personal growth, for your own personal transformation. Whatever it is that you don't know that you don't know and you're looking for, you just have this idea within you that something is missing, that there's something better out there for you and you just don't know what it is. And this is that show, ranging from medicine, from wellness, to brain intelligence, or life coaching, or performance strategies, as we like to call it, or anything out there. And it's also that voice that I'm hoping to expand massively by bringing in people to interview, to people who found their solutions in their own particular way. Not the big giants, the big giants have their own particular way, and, and they're on their way to their own success. But it's the little people like you and me, if you're listening and if you're a big person, then that's great too. You may find some great things with us as well. But the key here is really bringing those voices out there so we can help promote them, help them be discovered, and hopefully you get get to discover things that will change your life. Well, Wendy, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? That's awesome. Now, here's a question I have for you. Ooh, okay. So... Why don't you ask me that question? How, how, how am I today? How are you today? Good. <laughs> okay. I, okay, okay. I am a little bit sleepy because I, I had an insomniac night last night, but I'm still feeling pretty darn good. Is that better? <laughs> well, no, your answer was actually great. My answer was not. So, so I wanted to ask you if you knew why. Uh, because you answered with one word and it didn't necessarily, the way you said it didn't, didn't portray you being good. So it was just, it was just kind of like good, but it wasn't like smiling, like, Hey, good, <laughs> you know? So well, was I, it, is it because you're, uh, but you didn't, you didn't seem like it was like, good. so well, your, okay. your body didn't reflect your answer. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, first of all, it's all about language. It's all about how we communicate. So it's body language today? Body language, tonality, uh, actual words. Because it's in proper English. It's amazing how, how many people speak incorrectly, incorrect English. And to answer, with the, to answer your question with just the word good is not, is not the proper way to speak. So... Say, ask, ask me the question again. So how are you today? I am well, thank you. <laughs> Very nice. Now, hopefully, hopefully my son will be listening to me because, or I'll have him listen afterwards because he's been the one that has been correcting my English lately. And it's, and it's rather amusing and funny and sweet as well. And sometimes a little shocking to have my own son, 21-year-old, correcting my English when... <laughs> You know, of all people, I was brought up in the British tongue. 
So I went to British schools my entire life, learned how to speak proper English, and then came to the United States and lost it all. You don't have an accent either. No, I'm very fortunate with that. Oh, uh, I like accents. You do? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I grew up in five different countries, so I figured because of that, and because I do speak four different languages, that I don't have an accent. I'd like to play with accents because I'm going to start acting soon, but I haven't done anything about that yet. <laughs> but this is what's interesting, and you know, with the advent of texting, and with the advent of people just quite simply being lazy, Right. In fact, I would hazard to say that most pe people are lazy communicators. I can agree with that. And when I started using terms that were improper, if you will, um, I was doing it with my children. I have three kids. And I had learned about 10 years ago the, the value of what we call rapport. Rapport me, meaning that's a way of connecting with someone at the unconscious level. So you're not consciously connecting with somebody, but you're unconsciously connecting. And people like people like themselves. And so when we use the same language, the same words, for example, uh, or the same tonality, or the same speed in talking. You see, when I speak Spanish, for example, I speak really fast. You know, we, we get all the information out very, very quickly like this. You know, or when you speak with, you know, talk to or have a conversation with people from New York, you know, they speak a lot faster. Mm -hmm. Down south, I guess, then it's like a really slow. It's a slow southern drawl. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and the key then is, is that when we can match somebody's language, their tonality or their speed, then we feel that we're more like them. And more, and we do connect and communicate more effectively. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So my bad English is the result of my children. I'm now going to blame them. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh my goodness! Uh, does that mean I have to blame my cat since I don't have any children? <laughs> um. Yeah, it's all the whining that you do. I tell you what. <laughs> I, you know, and I also see how you tend to, or your people in general tend to be more like the people around them. So I do try to surround myself with people who not only make me a better person, but really make me think, make me challenge my thoughts, my ideals. And it's, I've learned that I've grown so much more as a person when I do surround myself with, a, with those types of people versus... Uh, people who don't challenge me. <laughs> you know, and that, that's a key because <clears throat> I also re recently um, learned again that the friends you want really are the friends that hold you to a higher standard. Yeah. And way too often we're stuck in communities or groups that really hold us down. And, you know, based on history, you know, based on other reasons, you stick with this group because it also might offer you some security and certainty and, and satisfy certain needs like love and connection, if you will. But the truth is, is that if you really want to grow, you have to make a commitment to grow. And you also want to make sure that the environment around you is going to help you grow as well. Because 
it's it's typical when you go to these massive self-improvement events i mean tony robbins is a classical example one but any of them you know even if it's a retreat you know a health retreat going somewhere for a week and, and living a healthy life and then you go back to your regular environment it's it's amazing how quickly we do go back to our usual habits mm-hmm. and, and it's unfortunate unless you're really committed to make it happen so you're right. Your environment is very key to you, and so, but that's a that's a very selective choice that you made. Mm-hmm. I had to. I did. I put it this way. I did not want to follow in my family's footsteps. I wanted more. Um, I wanted a better life. I wanted to learn more. So, unfortunately, like when I do see my family, they look at me like I'm an alien because they don't understand. Mm-hmm. But with the people I surround myself with. I'm always learning, so it's a good thing. You know, nothing to be said that's that's negative about your family or anything else. Oh, they I just, love my uh, family. They just don't understand me. Right, and and the key here then is that if we do want to grow, <clears throat> you know, we have to surround ourselves with other people that want to grow as well, because that's how progress is made. We are the happiest when we actually grow. And you know what? The truth is, there is uncertainty with that. There is fear with that. I mean, things can go wrong. And just look at entrepreneurs, for example. I mean, do you know how many failures the the, the average entrepreneur has before he's successful? If I'm not mistaken, I think it's four to five. Is that correct? Uh, I believe it's actually more than that. I believe oh. it's about 11. Okay. About 11. That's sort of like the average. So what that means is that when you see these uber successful people, you know, you tend to forget, people tend to forget or simply ignore how much work went into that success, how many mm-hmm. failures they had to go through. I mean, remember uh, Walt Disney. Do you know how many banks he went to before the final bank said okay? That I don't know, but I also heard that when he was in college, his uh, his art teacher failed him because he said that he didn't have enough imagination. <laughs> exactly. I heard that one too. <laughs> I'm like, seriously? (laughs) This guy's a genius. (laughs) Yeah, people like Ford and Einstein, they flunked out of high school or middle school. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was 407, 407 banks. 407. I believe that's the correct number. Wow. If anybody's listening and no, it's it's not, then just chime in and call us up and let us know. Um, But yeah, 407, that that shows commitment, that shows Mm -hmm. dedication. And what was interesting when, uh, I think it was when Disney World was opened um, or, or Disneyland, I'm not sure which one it was. And then one of the reporters was mentioning to one of the executives that, you know, it's too bad that uh, Walt is not here to see this. And the answer to that reporter was you know, pretty direct. It says, no, you're wrong. He saw this. He saw this way before all of us did because he saw this. That's why we have this now. So, you know, segueing into that, you know, it's, you know, what is it that you see? You know, what is it that you really want? And communication is, is such a big, big, big thing. Mm-hmm. And this is part of uh, one of my books, um, or chapters of one of my books, uh, chapter 21, I believe. How we communicate does not work. And so I'm going to challenge you right now. Why do you think it doesn't work? Ooh, why do we think the way we communicate doesn't work? Yeah. Um, I think in society in general, because there's a lot of, 
I don't want to say there's lots of way of communicating, but it keeps getting condensed smaller and smaller and smaller. So if you figure people get distracted easy, you know, there's squirrel moments. So you can look at somebody in the eye and have a conversation and the whole time they could be thinking about something else, looking at their phone, sending a text, sending a tweet. There's so many different ways of communication, but, but because there is so many ways of communication, I think it really dumbs down society because there's really people text instead of, or leave messages or emails or, or instead of having eye to eye conversations. So I guess my, my convoluted way of saying is maybe technology is making it a little bit easier to communicate, but not communicate fully. Because one thing I've noticed, you know, because how I grew up hearing impaired, I read body language, I read lips, I read how people carry themselves. Most people, to my, under, to my understanding, don't do that. You know, don't they say like 80% of communication is through the body language? Uh, it's a little different. It's actually 55 uh, through the body language. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's your posture, <coughs> what you're doing, your facial expressions, uh, particularly facial expressions are huge. Then it is 38% uh, tonality. Mm-hmm. So it's the tone that you use. You know, you could uh, be speaking and then, you know, raise your tone like this and sort of like, and then it's like people don't trust that. But when <laughs> the, it's more monotone, or when the tone is kind of deepened, mm-hmm. more like a man, then is that that offers them more more certainty in, in that moment, right? Instead of like, yeah, maybe, sort of thing. Okay. <clears throat> and only seven percent is language uh, is the are the words themselves. But the key with the words, in that sense, you know, the word that you're using is the the, the message that is to be conveyed. And so if the body and the tone is not congruent with that, then people then start questioning the actual words used. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the wording in a moment, but I think the key thing here is, and you really you know, described it well, but people are just not listening. They don't listen. Mm-hmm. You know, they're so focused either... You know, when they're not being distracted by the internet or something else where the brain just goes somewhere else, um, their brain actually is going to where what they want to say next. And so it's interesting because when you're thinking about the next thing that you're going to say, you can't really focus on what that other person is saying to you. I mean, you can in parts, but you're going to miss out on the subtleties like the body language, like the tonality like the deeper meaning, you know, within that. Because the language model, if you if you will, is like an iceberg. And whatever's on top of the water, that part of the iceberg that's above the water, mm-hmm. that's actually what we're communicating. But underneath is what we really want to be communicating. So above the water is what people hear and, and, and the meaning that they get from something. Mm-hmm. Underneath the water is really what people are communicating. That actually does come from tonality and body language. And so being very exacting in the words that you use is what we'll talk about in a little bit. But the key thing is, is that when you're not listening, you know, people have a rule, uh, uh, don't look to talk rule. A lot of people have this rule that they can't look at you, you know, in your eyes. Why? Well, you're different because you learned to to look at people. 
but most people are feel very uncomfortable looking at other people because they have all these ideas that it's too intense or they believe that they're um, <clears throat> you know that it's that it's freaky or eerie you know, to look at somebody else in the eyes and just monitor that I mean, not so much when you're talking to people because people may be very familiar or comfortable with you but watch other people and how much they look away consistently one of the interesting complaints that i would receive from a lot of my patients is that you know oftentimes i you know I recommend that they see other doctors as well because i'm the guy that always wants people to have enough information so that they can make a, a very smart choice for them and, you know, if they choose me, then I realize that they're really smart, right? <laughs> um, and, but so often I, I hear that the doctors don't look at them in the face. They don't, they're not talking to them. And that's very disconcerting for patients because especially in a situation where you're relying totally on, on the doctor, you're trusting this person to be doing the right thing, to making the right choices, to helping you in the best possible way. You know, when they're not looking at you, then you start wondering a lot of different things. A lot of people just don't like to look when they talk. Huh. <clears throat> so looking, so I had that role for, for many, many years. And part of it was also what I found that I was doing is, you know, like I'm doing right now. Because I'm looking you're away. You're looking up. Doesn't that mean Look. you're thinking when you're looking at like a certain area? Does that mean you're actually thinking? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you a little bit about that in a moment. <laughs> you can look at eye patterns. You can actually tell whether people are lying to you or not. Oh, you want to learn that trick? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> right, let's do it. So, um, but sometimes what I used to do is I would go inside. So I would start thinking, and looking at somebody would be a distraction. And so since I'm a big thinker, I'm always constantly thinking and reading and all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. I don't want the distraction. And so then I would, I would look away. But it was also a, um, how should I put it, um, a self-conscious thing. You know, when you're looking at somebody and they're looking at you and what are they looking at? You know, looking at my hair, looking at my nose. That's like my teeth. Yeah, no. looking at my teeth. You know, what judgments are you making? Because we're, oftentimes we're just worried. I mean, a lot of people in this world are just worried about what other people think about them. I see that a lot in my coaching. A lot of people are just simply worried about, you know, will someone reject them? It's one of our biggest fears. Not oh. public speaking. But being but rejection, rejected. Being, yeah, being rejected. Huh. I, don't, I, I guess for me, I'm, I always feel like I'm being stared at. Like no matter where I go, people are staring at me. And I'm looking and I can see that they're staring at me. So I, I get the uncomfortable feeling sometimes just walking into the room and having everybody just turn and stare. That makes me uncomfortable. But yeah, having a conversation, have somebody not look me in the eye. I think that would that that would bother me because I'm just so used to people looking in the eye. <laughs> you know. No, I hear it. Oh, you got your drinks. Thank What's you. mine? Tea. <laughs> Some people drink coffee in the morning. I drink tea. Is it is it cold? Is it iced tea? Yeah, it's iced mint tea. Yay! You have, you need to watch out. Tannins are not good for your throat, by the way. What are Tannins. Tannins and tea. Really? They hurt your throat. So will, you they, be... will it give me a deeper voice? That'd be awesome. Uh, it might. It Ooh. might be a crackly voice. Ooh. 
I could sound like Stevie Nicks. That'd be fun. There you go. <laughs> so eye patterns. So what's interesting is that the way that our brain works, this is called, this is from neurolinguistic programming, which is the study of the neurology, the language, and the programming. And so it's really the neurology of how we do what we do, our behaviors, mm-hmm. you know, emotions, our, our state. And, you know, we process everything through our nervous system, right? And so um, I've never taught this like this before, so this will be fun. So there is what we call a visual recall. So visual recall, if you're looking at me right now, mm-hmm. my visual recall would be if, I, if you were to ask me, you know, what was the color of your room when you were a kid? And then I go up, look this way, okay. to my, and to my left. So upper that, left means you're thinking or trying to remember, right? I'm doing, would I do a visual recall? Okay. So up to the left, uh, and this is most people, not everyone, okay? And then I'm doing my visual recall. If you were to ask me, and, and, and I don't know if you just saw what I just did, right? I, I looked to the left, straight yeah. to the left. Because my question was that I had in my own head was if you were to ask me how, what my dog sounded like when I was a kid, right? So uh, uh, audio recall is straight to the left. Ah, okay. So visual, so if you, if you were to ask me, okay, what would your car look like if you painted it white? Then I'd go up to the right. So that's a, a visual created. Okay, and if um, you were to ask me, you know, what would my cat sound like? You were just looking to the to the the right. (laughs) Nice. So now, when when you ask somebody if if they remember something, Mm -hmm. so you say, so where where were you last night? For example, if 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 you you had a boyfriend and he was missing last night, and then so. Ask me the question. Okay, so where were you last night? Well, I was at home. Okay. So your eyes got really big, and you looked up to the upper right-hand corner. So what was was my lying or not? That means you were lying. Yeah, you were lying, because if you weren't, you looked the other way. Right. Right. So that was a visual construct. Got it. creating, Creating a story. Right. And so now... When you pay attention, and you should be a master at this, because of the fact that you had so many challenges as a child, just you know, hearing, start start looking into this, and notice things. And then when it's um, uh, there's what we call auditory digital. Auditory digital is what I'm thinking. So what were you thinking when, you know, what are you thinking like right now? Then I go to the bottom left. And if you're asking what, what do you feel right now, then I go to the bottom right. And so um, when people are not, you see, do you see what I was just doing? Yeah. Bottom left, right? Yeah. I was and so what happens is that when you're not paying attention to the stuff, right, then you'll naturally go to these different quadrants in your brain. And that's just the neurology of how we work. Mm. Interesting, isn't it? That is really cool. I kind of want to like draw a diagram so I don't forget it. <laughs> you know? I, I, can, I can probably send you one. 
That would be cool, yeah. So getting back to communicating, you know, one thing that I really find is that most people are just too busy thinking about the next thing that they want to say. Because people like to be heard. But the wonderful thing about having a conversation with someone is just just being totally focused on them. You know, when you when you find people that are actually very charismatic, when you find people that you say, oh my gosh, I like this person, only to find out that you are their complete world in that moment that they're talking to you or you're talking to them. Way too often, it's easy to have a conversation with someone and if you were just listening and you let them talk and you let them talk and you just let them talk and then you end the conversation and you practically said only five words throughout the whole conversation or no words, then they'll tell their friends that, wow, this is the most wonderful person I've ever met. <laughs> they really know how to listen. They understand me. <laughs> they don't even realize that they, it was just about listening. It's just that they had a chance just to be themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, defended or undefended doesn't matter. But there's a, an interesting thing that I learned even way before that when I was a kid, and I use this all the time, is that when you don't talk, Right? People assume that you're a lot smarter than you really are. So please keep your mouth shut. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> because, you know, when you don't say anything, they can't judge you for that. Mm-hmm. Make sense? It actually does. Because you don't put your foot in your mouth if you don't say anything wrong. Yeah. Wow. I know. I never thought of that. And the truth is, is that um, if you don't talk a lot, then you're not going to grow that much either. Because mm-hmm. you really want to, we really all deserve a voice. And that voice needs to be tested. And you want to speak. And the great thing about what I discovered the last couple of years, and it's been so much more fun, because I did have a rule not to look to talk sort of thing. Um, because I was being self-conscious, I was being self-conscious, doubting myself, um, wondering how people were, were judging me and things like that so that I wouldn't do that. But I've had so much more fun when I'm talking to people nowadays and I'm just focused on them. I'm not thinking about the next thing that I'm going to do today or, you know, what happened yesterday or how boring, well, sometimes I don't think about that, how boring this conversation is. <laughs> um, but I'm curious, and that's the other part that's really important, is when we're communicating, we really want to be very curious. Because the other part of the problem with communicating is that when we judge very quickly, and most of us do, because... One of the things that we find is that, you know, in a very passive society, we have to make quick decisions. We have to move quickly. We've got to do this, got to move around, got to go to the next thing, got to go to the next thing, got to go to the next thing. And so in a sense, you're making quick judgments and assessments of whatever information that is. But the problem with judging something is you lose the ability to um, appreciate their model of the world, to mm-hmm. appreciate the magic and the gift that that other person has to offer you. 
I like that. So, yeah. So when you listen to people, you just want to be curious. What does this mean? And what are they saying? You know, what's true about this? What else is true about this? You know, what's great about this? And so having these questions in your head that just says, hey, you know what? Where's the magnificence in what they're telling? Even when it's absolutely boring. <laughs> it's hard to be empathetic when it's boring. <laughs> but here's the thing. You don't have to be empathetic. Mm-hmm. Because now, what, what, what did you just do? You're judging. That's true. Right? Yeah. You're totally judging. Totally judging because it was boring. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a bad, my bad. <laughs> don't. <laughs> You can get tons of merits for that. One. Oops. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the point system. I, I always do that. Yeah. I, I need to do that with you. So that's so it's interesting. So so when What's the point we, system? What are you talking uh, about? Well you'll find out. Oh no. I'll post it somewhere. <laughs> um Two But points. you're so way ahead on points, I positive points anyhow. <laughs> an incredible human being and it's, and it's delightful for me to be on your show oh, our show our show yay right. <laughs> well i learned so much from you so it's it's fun uh likewise so um being judgmental you lose the ability to appreciate you know what's going on with them mm-hmm. you know truth is if if you're telling if you're just listening in there well here's the other part the best part of anything and, and I love this part. And I, and I also recognized that for the first time last year. Um, I was on my, my way to Ecuador to do a, a humanitarian trip. Mm-hmm. And I was preparing for that trip. And with all the other work that I've been doing, I finally came to the realization that the best part of <laughs> interactions, what we have with other people or any situation, is to realize how you're showing up is to realize, to appreciate, or to be aware what your role is in that very, very moment. So what's your responsibility in the emotions that you feel? So when you come up in a situation and somebody aggravates you, okay, Mm -hmm. then that's exciting because then you can find out, ah, you know, this, this is something I can work on. This is something that... There's something here that's triggered me to feel a certain way. And the truth is, you probably don't want to feel that way anyhow. And so this is a great opportunity to notice what's going on with yourself. So in that case where it's boring, right, um, you know, whose responsibility is it to stay in that space or just simply be authentic and say, hey, you know what, (laughs) I got to go or something. Or tell a joke and make them laugh, and it just makes it so much better. Right. Or do something. Yeah. Lighten it up. <laughs> just let it know. But understanding what your emotions are is going to be really, really key. Because here's another very common, um, um, how should I put it, um, something that people are just simply not aware of. And that is, is that the emotion that we feel that we have in this very moment we filter our external experience through that emotion mm-hmm. so the emotions that we feel equals the quality of our life so said differently right whatever meaning we give an experience 
that's what it becomes. So if our emotion is what I would say disempowering, I don't like to use a negative or positive because that just, any you know, emotion is just energy. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as really negative energy. Energy is just energy. It's just a matter of what direction it's going in. So a disempowering that's energy. That's a good quote. Yeah, there you go. Seriously. Think? Sorry. I mean, I just disrupt you there, but that was really good. <laughs> All right, I'll have to listen to this again because I'm not sure exactly what I said. So, but the truth is, is that, you know, whatever meaning we give something, it's the emotion that we give it, that becomes our experience. And so here again, if you're in a frustrated state and somebody's talking to you, then it may be a very frustrating experience for you. Mm -hmm. Again, this is the problem, the challenge that we have when we're communicating with other people. And all these things, inside of all those other distractions that you were sharing earlier on, really impedes our ability to really have a good connection with the other person. Because the truth is, we're social animals, we're social beings. We want to be connected. And as much as we really want to be connected with somebody else, we're very good at making sure that that also does not happen. It's mind-boggling. I mean, everybody is crying because they're not in a good relationship and everything else. Right? As much as we want to be in relationships, you know, many people are just not, or at least not in a good relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's because, well, a lot of reasons, but largely also because of our inability to communicate. What do you think? I agree with you. So how do you fix that? By listening. <laughs> You know, the benefit of listening is you get accurate information, mm -hmm. you've got clarity, uh, increased likability, it's your opportunity to, to respect, and it improves relationships, improves re results, you get less mistakes. Mm -hmm. And all you have to do is really have that intention to listen, intention, and, and the intention to listen to the words and not be lazy with the wording, not be lazy with English. Because the other part is, um, you know, what language that you use. Mm -hmm. Because the language that we use very much defines what's happening in our own head, even though it may not be accurate. So let me give you an example. <clears throat> um, have you ever been angry? Yes. Okay. Have you ever been irritated? Yes. Have you ever been, like, annoyed? Yeah. <laughs> um, have you ever been pissed off? Yes. Livid? Yes. <laughs> okay. It's all the same kind of energy, isn't it? It is, but different variables of the same energy. So depending on which one you use also describes, you know your intention in that moment, in a sense, mm -hmm. your intended energy, your intended focus. So if I were to say, you know, I'm just tickled by anything that happens around me, guess what? <laughs> My life is a lot better because I'm never angry, mm -hmm. I'm never pissed off, and I never live it. I'm not saying that I do that, but the point of the matter is, is that's what I do most of the time. Mm -hmm. Rather than getting livid, you know, I find a way to, you know, with whatever strategies that I have, just to be curious, actually. Hmm. Okay, what does this really mean? 
you know, rather than judging very quickly because I'm making a, a very obvious choice that I don't want to be living. And so when you start listening to people and listen to the words, so um, you got a good sense of humor, right? Yeah. Okay, you can be playful, right? Oh, yes. Okay, good. So you can see me. The audience can't, obviously. So go ahead, put your hands like this. And so what she's doing right now is she has um, both her palms facing each other. They're, they're apart by about a foot, right? Yes. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to try to clap your hands. On the count of three, one, two, three, go. What did you do? I, cl I clapped my hands. Oh, I didn't ask you to do that. Oh, okay. my bad. <laughs> so um, let's do it again. All right? Okay, okay. So in a moment, listen to what I'm saying. Okay. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to try to clap your hands. On the count of three, one, two, three, go. What did you do? Well, I'm waiting for you to tell me to try to clap my hands. I did. You did. Darn it. <laughs> okay. All right, we'll do it one more time. Oh. For the remedial group. Okay. Which is pretty much everybody, by the way. So you've got great company, which is the rest of the world. Okay. Yeah. On the count of three, yeah, I'm going to ask you to try to clap your hands. One, two, three, go. What did you do? You said what I can't do. <laughs> I'm not no, I said I said try to clap your hands, right? So, so try. So, so we mean like try like not actually do it or pretend like I'm doing or because I mean it's really easy no, to I'm clap your hands. You, I'm asking you only to try because when you use the word try, it connotes perhaps a lot of energy and effort, but you don't actually do it. So now I'm bringing my hands almost together like I'm trying to clap my hands, uh, but I'm actually doing you're not something. Doing it. But I don't actually end up doing it. Just not moving my hands means I'm not doing anything. Trying to clap your hands is I try to clap my hands but don't actually achieve it. That's clapping my hands, right? Yeah. So how often have you experienced that someone says, oh, let's go and um, let's have lunch. Why don't we try for tomorrow? Oh, that means it's really not going to happen. <laughs> Unless you like seriously write down an exact time and place. Seriously. Well, Exactly. And because we're using the word try. Yeah. And so when you start noticing all the different variables, all the exact wording that people use, you know, you can almost call yourself like a, a language Nazi, you know? <laughs> soup Nazi. So I know just... the soup Nazi. Larry? Yeah. Nice guy. Is he? Did yeah. You meet him? Yeah, yeah. I went to his birthday party. Oh, yeah? A couple months ago, yeah. He's, He's awesome. Funny. <laughs> He's, He's a little funny. guy too, you know. But yeah, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to go off topic. But yeah, I know Super Nazi. <laughs> but he was funny though. He was very, very funny. Um, I'll have to so, send you some pictures. <laughs> yeah, do that. Yeah. Um, so, listen to what the words people use, mm -hmm. and that—that's a huge thing. And it's good to have a, a very vast vocabulary because. Like you were saying earlier about, you know, being pissed or livid or angry. You know, it's nice to have more more words to help describe that. You know what I mean? So it's good to have a very good vocabulary. So how many words do you think we have in the English language? Ooh, that's a good question. I have no clue. How many? Uh, I believe it's about uh, half a million, so 500,000. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah, that's huge, isn't it? Yeah. And then, um, how many words do you think we use to have to describe emotions? 
Ooh, for emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, well, oh my goodness. About a thousand, maybe? Uh, you're close. I think it's about 3,000. 3,000? Okay. Of which most of them, what do you think, are about? I would like to say happiness because, you know, that's, but I know I'm completely wrong because people are Debbie Downers a lot, but like, seriously, I wish it was happiness. <laughs> well, you know what? I think half of, um, or probably most of your, your words are probably happy ones because mm-hmm. that's, that's who you are. Cause you're just an amazing person. Um, but yeah, most of them are actually, uh, negative mm-hmm. because, you know, our reptilian brain I don't, don't think you liked that word last time, did you? I, I thought it was weird, but it's all good. Right. <laughs> I understand it now. <laughs> our reptilian brain is really designed to you know, watch out for danger. Mm-hmm. And so it's easier for us to connect with words that connote any kind of danger or any kind of, let's call it negativity, if you will. And so it's easier. But it's also, you know, negative experiences like complaining. And we talked about this last time, I think, as well. It's almost like an easier or cheaper social currency. It's easier to connect with other people when you complain about stuff. Mm -hmm. Because it assumes an immediate commonality. And, you know, when, when you listen to people and you can connect with them, with whatever it is that their experience they're talking about, then you feel that you can, you know, be in, in, in their environment. You can hang out with them. Um, but when you don't know what's really going on, then the easiest thing is, you know, what's common with most people is that, yeah, they have something to complain about. You know, whether, what? Is that why in the news, uh, they always start off the news with negative stories and bad things that happen versus good, feel good stories? Is that because, like, you know, listeners or, you know, viewers, and they, they prefer, they are attracted to the negative? Is that how they, like, grab them with the negative and then do the positive at the end? Just the way that we wire. wire. Okay. I mean, our, the way they, this is my understanding and um, <clears throat> what I've understood over the years, but it's just the way our brain is wired to much more quickly notice where the danger is. Mm. So reptilian brain, the reptilian brain, the same thing with women, actually women have a higher sense of awareness of anything that's dangerous for them. Mm. Um, and, and then in one respect, it's, it's, um, I should put a, a safeguard, but on the other hand, it also limits them in a major way because they're always worried about, you know, what's going to happen next. That's why I don't go in public unless I have a bodyguard with me. So they have to deal with that. Well, (laughs) (laughs) that's their job. (laughs) It's my job to be happy and entertain people. (laughs) So, so you, you've arranged for an external safety system. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I've had to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. And your situation is different. I mean, you're technically like a celebrity, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I walk out in public and people just ignore me. <laughs> well, in Arizona, I'm I'm known. I think outside of Arizona, people don't know who I am. But here, unfortunately, everybody knows me. So, God forbid, I should oh. ever leave the house like with like sweats and my hair all funky and no makeup because that'll be the time that I, I run into a bunch of people that know me. 
So wait, 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 hang a second. So does that mean that when I take you out for dinner, that I have to buy dinner for two big bodyguards too? <laughs> no, only public appearances do I bring them. If it's something something uh, that's just private, then no. But if there's going to be a large group of people, I always have uh, I have somebody with me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Does that bother you? It's better yes and no. Um, yeah. Yes, it's bad that I had to go to those lengths to feel and be safe mm -hmm. and no because now i know i feel safe because i have somebody that's watching my back so i can do what i'm i you know supposed to do i'm you know mc an event or talk to people sign autographs all that i get to concentrate on that and the people while they get to concentrate on you know who's around is there anybody you know so it it takes a lot of stress off my shoulders so yes and no <laughs> it'd be mm. nice if i could just you know go to tell my public events with just me but that's not it's not not safe oh wow but that's only in arizona so if you're only in, in arizona yeah no? <laughs> so move no i built up my life <laughs> here i finally have a name <laughs> that's funny um so yeah, what uh, what were we talking about? Something about language. Um, uh, you're oh, talking no. about how women in general they have a, a stronger sense of danger than men. Right. So. And so yeah, when when you watch the news, then it's going to be much more. You're going to be much more attuned to listening to any potential danger danger that's coming up. And it, it's also interesting with this whole political. Um, election or this whole election process that's been going on for two years I think the issue that most people are struggling with, with right now is that they're just overloaded with all the the danger that's out there mm -hmm. you know the claims for danger 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 and that gets tiring after a while you know in the beginning I think a lot of people were fascinated by it interesting you know all this but two years of the same stuff is, is kind of a bit of a problem yeah and your brain can only handle so much. There's a lot of, there are a lot of people that will not watch the news anymore, not because of the election, but just in general, because of all the negativity. Mm -hmm. And But the truth is that we do need to know what's going on in the world. I mean, to not know, I mean, one of the reasons I think this country is having so many challenges not to get into any political conversation is because, because people are just unaware of, of the truth for a lot of reasons. And that's a big challenge. And that's actually one of the reasons I'm working on this platform, by the way, not for any political reasons, but really to help people get access to real information, mm -hmm. not my information, but real information that can help them that's not modified by the media or anything else. So, um, and are not written in a certain way that, you know, um, that someone can capitalize on for themselves. You don't, my, yeah, uh, you don't spin it. You just tell the truth. You don't spin it to y however you want it to be. And I love that. Yeah. And, and when I bring in my interviewees, then they get to express their truth about what it is that they do, which may be, you know, absolutely opposite of what somebody else would do that we would bring on the show. But the whole idea is just to have people with authentic voices uh, come on the show and really express what's true for them. And so they get to be promoted and people get to find them. In fact, pretty soon we're going to, I'm working on a new um, live streaming uh, platform so that we can get back, we can get our interviews back on track on nice. Facebook too. 
Nice, nice. Yeah, so it'll be fun. Uh, just still have to figure that out. But last thing uh, that I want to share is um, Harville Hendricks. Have you ever heard of that guy? Harville Hendricks. I'm Harville. not familiar. I don't. I don't recall. He wrote the book "Get the Love That You Want." So if, okay. if anybody's listening and really is wants to have a better relationship, or their relationship is really not that great right now, and and or they just have a great relationship and they want it even better. And it's interesting because even when I ask people, you know, would you like your relationship to be better? Way too often they say, no, it's fine. It's like, okay. The <laughs> <laughs> um, relationship is probably one of the most magnificent things that you can have in your entire life. If you can find that right person. And the cliche is the reason my relationship failed is because we weren't communicating. And actually that is, for a large part, true. See, but, my, mine failed because he, he prefers men over women. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not going to go. He, he yeah, that was awkward, right? You. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously? You're leaving me for a man? <laughs> well, that's failure for communicating. I know. You should have told me. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Okay, I that's should write a book. Another show. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's true though, is that we just don't know, we, we really don't communicate effectively. And, and this book, uh, Get the Love That You Want by Harper Hendricks, he came up with a communication model, which is so incredibly simple. And let's see how many minutes we have left. We have about five minutes. We have five minutes. Yeah. All right. It's awesome. And recommend it to anyone. And there are therapists all over the U.S. Uh, called Imago Therapist, I-M-A-G-O. And especially if you're in a relationship and you just want to have a much better relationship or you want to save a relationship or anything about a relationship, go to one of these workshops. It's usually a two or three day workshop and they're absolutely just wonderful because it teaches you, number one, why is it that you get in a relationship in the first place, which we're not going to talk about right now. But then it presents you a really simple communication model that is extremely beneficial. So we're going to try it out real, you know, very quickly. So they're, they're, I was just going to say real quick. Right, which is improper English. <laughs> right, <Some> quick. <laughs> what? If you said right quick, you sound like you're from the south. Right quick. Is that it? right quick? Right quick. Yeah. Right quick. I have okay. an ex. He was from Georgia, and he always say right quick. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, my uh, it's it's great to have my son uh, working with an incredible person right now. Um, learning, you know, so many great things, and now he gets to teach me, and it's, it's actually one of the coolest things. Yeah. I love it when my, my children teach me stuff. Um, so, uh, quickly, we shall go through this, and basically, the way it, it, it works is that you have the speaker and you have the listener, and so as a speaker, what I would do is I would say a short sentence, a short phrase. So, when you came home last night, I was really upset because you left the shoes by the front door. That's it. That's one chunk of information without a lot of detail. Mm -hmm. and so as the listener, you would respond, you know, um, you, you got upset when I got home last night because I left the, my, my shoes by the front door. And then you would respond, you would say at that moment, did I get it? Not, you know, is this right? Is this wrong? Did I get it? And I would say, yes. And then you would ask, is there more? This, this is my first three minutes. 
this is my favorite word or phrase, is there more? And then I would say yes, and then it says, yeah, what then happened was, you know, dog, you know, took the shoes and slobbered all over the kitchen because they ate your shoes up and I had to clean it up. And so we would go back and forth, right, short segments, and if you make it too long, especially, you know, as men with our very oversized reptilian brain, we can't hold a lot of memory in there, you know, it's hard to repeat it. So you have to repeat it basically as accurately as possible, not interjecting new stuff. And you go back and forth, and then the listener really listens to what the speaker is saying. And the speaker gets to find out, you know, that gets to appreciate that the listener is really listening. And then it goes from there on. And I think my, maybe what we'll do is we'll reserve that for next week. Sounds because good. To, to be able to communicate what's really needing to be communicated is one of the most magnificent things. And I almost call it, it's like a spiritual communion between two people. Mm-hmm. It's almost as good, sometimes maybe even better than having sex. Because when you know that, you, when you figured out your partner, when you know what's going on with your partner mm-hmm. at the deepest, deepest level, it feels really good. Like so that? does sex. <laughs> just saying. So does sex. Just saying. You can do best of both, both worlds, right? You have both. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't just smoke a cigarette afterwards. You have to talk. Oh, no smoking. No smoking. That's that. No. That's a deal breaker right there. Really? Yep. Deal breaker. Well, that's not my problem. <laughs> I don't talk. Good. <laughs> At least I'm honest. Like, ah, no, 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 that's not going to work. <laughs> and that's the other part. You've got to be honest. Yeah. All right. Is this the end of today's show? It Mm -hmm. is. This was a fun show today. I learned about communication. There you go. And we'll learn more about it next time. Sweet. So thank you. Thank you, Wendy. As always, magnificent as you are. Um, This is Dr. Bart Rademacher, prescription for your transformation. Hashtag real people. Hashtag real conversations. Working to create a really neat uh, platform where people can have their voice, share their views, learn so much, and change their lives. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Dr. Rademacher's Prescription for Transformation. Join Dr. Barton Rademacher live right here on Radio Star Worldwide each week or on demand 24-7.